Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and -and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. 
There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. You're the boy, are you? The boy whose mother was killed. In today's episode, we are going to discuss The Goldfinch. Today is April 27th, 2021, and The Goldfinch is available on Amazon Prime. So The Goldfinch was released into U.S. theaters on September 13th, 2019. This, that seems like, I, this movie seemed like it was a long time ago when we talked about this trailer on Satmat or whoever. This seemed like, I guess, pre-COVID makes it. Time has you know, become feel a long time. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. It fought for attention against Hustlers. It chapter two. Angel has fallen in good boys. So that's so, okay. That's a really weird group. Well, I mean, yeah, where, it is, isn't where it? does this movie fit? I, I mean, I, I see that you're talking about alternative programming, but that, I mean, first of all, who won, right? It chapter two won of that group. Right? Yes. And, yes. And Hustlers was up there as well. And, right. It, and then yeah. Good Boys it, is a completely different thing. Like, yes. who, yeah, I, I don't, this is a really weird weekend in movie history. It reminds me back to a time of we just had too many movies. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like we just don't have that right. We're about to go in that. We're about to yes. get a glut again right, right. of movies Slammed. that have come out like this. But yeah, it was just sort of like, I mean, it, you're maybe Steve's about to say something about alternate programming. I have no idea, but if he does, <laughs> this is even like alternate against alternate. This is like prestige yeah. drama against right. dumb action against body comedy against horror. This is like. Everyone had something to go see, their favorite kind of movie. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. You think about September because you think of sort of the, as you know, the Oscar bait movies that come out in, you know, November, December, that things get positioned. Oh, it's coming out Thanksgiving weekend or Christmas weekend. You know, they're being positioned for an Oscar run. September 13th is really weird. And everything with the the cast, the, you know, credentials of coming from a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, you think this would be positioned for Oscars and they throw it in the middle of September against these things. I well, think they knew what they had. Yeah, well, there's that. But Spoiler here's a weird question. Alert. Here's a weird question. Yes. Do you oh. think because of the explosion and the 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 sort of tragedy thing that they're doing here, do you think they put it close to September 11th? September 13th is a no. bad... No. <laughs> oh, And it's no. in New York. I don't oh, know. That's well, bad. I, I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean... What, you mean they yeah. would put it there on yeah. purpose? Well... I mean, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's New York, right? The, the setting is New York. It's a big explosion. It's, it's tragic. It's... Dusty I we nonsense. Were still moving everything away. No, I, stuff. I, I mean, I if would. There's one My heart thing does. I'm just still... trying to think of why you put it this week. I mean, I think right. you're right. They knew what they had. We'll talk about that more. Yes, going against all of these things. You know, if this was to be counter programming of some serious adult, you know, 
this is your literary crowd. I'm going to go see an artful film. That didn't work because it only made $2.6 in its opening weekend. And it went down from there. It was out of theaters by the end of October. Total U.S. gross of $5,327,383. And that didn't, even, that didn't even pay Nicole Kidman's salary. So. No. No, this no. was like a 50 plus, right? Oh, Without- so- Something like that. Yeah, plus, I mean, yeah. you look at the cast that, you know, it's it's a long movie, all that. So you think, well, maybe Americans just weren't in the mood for that. So internationally, what happened? It was released the same window throughout September and October, only brought it, brought in an additional 4.6 million. In most countries, it made less than $400,000. I think like Ecuador, oh it was goodness. like $700 it, it made. Uh, the top <laughs> countries were the UK and Russia, where it made about a million in its, in its time in theaters there. Uh, then it was quickly dumped into, you know, at home video on November 19th, and you could pick it up on Blu-ray December 3rd and gift it to somebody for Christmas, I guess, was the plan. I, you know, and this is interesting because I, I loved the trailer. I was very excited about this movie after seeing the trailer. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember, you know, who brought it up for their for their trailer in our show. But I think I, I actually think that some of the negative buzz about it is why I didn't go. see. Mm. It. I think I was affected by that because I had heard what people thought after they saw it. And I was like, oh, OK. I yes. I, I remember two things about this movie. One, that it was one of the few times when a they had prognosticated. Prog- prognosticated prognostic That's procrastinated the their that. prognostication nope. of that it was going to open nice. at like around between five and seven and then after that first week they dropped it down by millions that's very rare yeah. that means yeah. everyone is in trouble and then the other thing i remember about the trailer and jj i'm not disagreeing with you necessarily except i'm a hundred percent literally am i just realized is the one thing i watched the trailer <laughs> And was like, oh, what Oscar bait? Wait, what is it about? Yes. This just seems like a, my guess was, this is going to be a beautifully filmed film that doesn't exactly know what it is, was my guess. Because it seemed like they were really just leaning into, if you've read The Goldfinch, here's The Goldfinch. If you haven't, here's a bunch of pretty things and famous people. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll see. Maybe it turned out to be that or not. But yeah. So I I remember being suspicious by the trailer a little bit. Mm. You have to wonder, you know, cause and effect, all that. Is it is it a timing thing? What is this movie that again, is it something you have to see in theaters when you've got other, you know, big explosions, all this? Is this something people like JJ would say, Well, I'll just wait and see it at home. I don't need to see this in a big theater. I can see it at home and I can be fine with that. And I don't I think, think it can be word of mouth because it made less than a million dollars on its yeah. first day. Yes. Yes. That's not word oh. of mouth. That is a and I think now and I think that's what it's up against. Right. I think oh, that's, yeah, sure. It's sure. coming in hard and and blowing things out. I mean, that's what we did that weekend, right? For the film board, we did it chapter two. Yeah. So we a, we had the choice and we chose the other. That's a good point. So that's a that's you know, right. We, we said, what that is way. the movie and, that everyone's going to be watching? And none mm-hmm. of us raised our head for the gold the goldfinch. No. And we were right. Correct. All right. So because it chapter two won the talk weekend. about so there we go. successful procrastinators. <laughs> I still don't know the word. <laughs> so so Tommy, you said you know again something beautiful to looking at the trailer, beautiful to look at, but what is it about? And I think that can be one of the challenges when you adapt a book of trying to condense that story. In the Goldfinch, the novel comes in at 
let me see, 784 pages. So there is a lot. There you go. There. Wow. There's there a go. lot there to put into a film that comes in, you know, back in, you know, a long time ago, we might have said, this is a really long movie, 149 minutes. So, but coming in over two hours is now not uncommon. Pretty um, normal. But yeah. can you condense 748 pages into, you know, something slightly over two hours? But but maybe well. the maybe and again is this one counting on it's a Pulitzer Pulitzer Prize winning novel audiences will show up to see that book brought to screen I mean is is that who this is for because the trailer other than pretty faces and beautiful to look at if it's not clear what it's about you know people aren't going to show up to that so who who do you think this film is is for after having watched the trailer seen the movie. Is this something you would recommend to to anyone? You know, is this? And we, I, I guess, we should clarify: none of us have read the book with at all. So, right, that's so a good that's, point. And 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 I didn't know it won the Pulitzer. Yes, right. That's that's important too. No, I think it's going to be hard for me to talk about who I recommend this movie to without giving spoilers. But I, it, you know, I bring up the September 11th thing. I think. If you stick with the, the the bright spot that I'm going to find with this movie that we're going to talk about later is that if you can sit in negativity for a great <laughs> deal of time to look for a, a some sort of glimmer of hope, a, a light message for the full wrapping. I mean, if, if drama is that for you, right, where you want to to process the negative to get to something positive out of negativity this can be good and it's pretty and it's packaged up in that pretty package that you talked about tommy i think um there are there are good things to look at in this movie it's not a it's not a poorly constructed film but it's 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 going to be really it's it's a you've got to be comfortable with negativity and and space Mm. and that Mm. um and and that I think a lot of people are going to find as work, but um, but I mean, and I I know you don't necessarily want to talk about ratings here, but this is, but I'll jump ahead and say that you know I gave it three stars because I think it's a it's a well done film, but it's a not like for me, so that's kind of an interesting thing that 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 I'll talk about um, when we get into that. Um, I think uh, it, it's going to be hard for people to watch it, but if you're if you're okay with drama, if that's something that you enjoy that you enjoy exploring those emotions when you're watching a movie, this might be an okay movie for you. My wife and I watched this and it's interesting because she, you know, didn't know anything about it going in. She thought it was going to be something completely different. And then by the end, she, she's still to this day. We we were just talking about earlier today. She struggles with this movie. She said there, there is such potential in here. There are such great characters in here and it just, there isn't enough. And I said, maybe, maybe it is worth reading the book then to to get some of that more of that story because it is very. There's so much about the characters, and we've got so many different stories and characters that we just lightly touch on, and we don't really get a lot of that. And so at the end, it's sort of like you had a sampler platter, and you you just got a taste of everything. And there's stuff you want to sink your teeth into, and you the film just doesn't go there. And so yeah, it's maybe it's, another two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> something I mean, again is it, you come back to the you know nowadays would this be a film or would this be something that would be picked up by netflix or hbo and done as a series limited the series. Sto- li- a limited series oh sure you know to take this to, to yeah. five six hours you look at what 
you know, how well that Netflix had a success with Queen's Gambit, which, you know, based on a book and parsing that out over several parts, is that it needs, is this a story that needs that room to breathe? But I, I would agree. It's, it's very much drama, uh, character based piece. Uh, but yeah, it, it just falls short for me. And I'm, I struggle with the, the star rating on this of is it two and a half? Is it three? Because there's nothing that, angered or frustrated me i wasn't like you know like wow this could be so much more it wasn't like watching godzilla versus oh Kong. lots angered yeah. and frustrated oh me, i mean we're gonna yeah okay we'll get them i'm there. very excited was, to talk about all the things i'm angry about with this movie. i mean i feel like there were the pieces there versus you know like godzilla versus kong that i just watched the other day which was complete garbage and it, like there's no logic or reason to this i can see the the structure of the story and just feel like there's more that i want and so that's where i'm like probably probably going to lean into the the three uh, three stars on this because i think that it does do so many things well uh and it is beautiful and the performances i i don't have issues with that it's just that the story was 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 shorted uh you know that's that's all i can say but it is if you like new york you like stories about family you know that type of drama and in some ways perhaps a bit of a coming of age story or, or dealing with past trauma and tragedy, I think you may, you may enjoy parts of this movie overall. I think it's going to be a disappointment because it doesn't do what I think it really needs to do, but the pieces that are there in isolation, I think can be very enjoyable. If the question is who is this movie for, yeah. or who is going to really enjoy this movie? I believe having not read the book, but I'm conjecturing, projecting, procrastinating that this movie fails on almost all of those levels. That what they did, that when you're making a, 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 this is clearly an incredibly complicated story that involves a huge amount of characters, all tenuously connected by like one sort of event. That there's a couple things, if you insist on doing it, this should absolutely have been a limited series is my personal feeling. If you do it as a movie, you have two choices. Number one, you do it... There's no episodes. There's no episodes. You can't do that. Anyway, go uh, on. Number one, <laughs> you either... You pare it way down and then let the movie breathe and get really deep into the most important parts. Or you do the Cliff Notes version. You film all of the big stuff that you have to include everybody and then rob it of any of its depth. This film okay. chose the second one, and this film feels like a Cliff Notes version of maybe a really huge book because it jumps around so much. I love nonlinear filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I thought that it used this very poorly. I thought it would, this was the exact wrong reason of, of how to use nonlinear filmmaking. Um, it spent huge amounts of time in a... This film felt so short and so long, so short on character, so short on stuff, and then over long because then we have to have this huge pathos scene about being cheated on from a wife or a fiancé that we've spent no time with, that we've never seen them together. It's just sort of like pointing at scenes. It's a right. beautifully filmed cliff notes okay. for me. And okay. I just, there's so little to hang on to 
I was always still watching because, again, it is truly beautiful and has some of the uh, best low lighting. Roger Deakins, come on. Some of the best low lighting filming that I've seen in a while in ways that isn't flashy, that isn't just candlelight stuff. And we can get into that, I assume, later on where we go into details. But no, I think this movie is just a beautiful failure in what don't do it like that don't do it like that and so i think maybe it would be at best for people that have read the book a hit parade of like yeah oh that like no we should we should say that if you liked the book you should probably check this out just to see you'll see you might see some of your scenes come to beautiful life because it looks the, the how it looks is great and a lot of the performances are outstanding as a full film if you haven't read the book it's just like kept going and kept going and then it was over and then at one point we were in Amsterdam with guns and I was like what is this movie (laughs) (laughs) it was just uh, so yeah so I don't I just think it's a really expensive beautiful failure of vision for something that was almost not possible you have to pick whether to tear it down and dive in or to do something else so how many how many stars it's there's too much accomplishment for it not to be three stars. Okay. okay. That's the thing. Yeah. And so in, in my flick chart rating, yeah. it shows up as a 90 out of 252, which actually tells me that it should be three stars too. Wow. So it actually is consistent with what I was looking for, which is interesting. What happens to the interesting place on flick chart that it shows up is it's just below Contagion, which is Soderbergh, okay. which is, you know, my favorite director, and just above um, The Hummingbird Project, which okay. is literally the last movie we did oh, wow. for Trailer Rewind. And the interesting thing about that is that The Hummingbird Project, I it, it didn't super anger me right. in the way that The Goldfinch did, but they really follow the same sort of thing in that, that I think that they're good movies. I actually liked The Hummingbird Project to some degree. I didn't like The Goldfinch, even though I think that they're both the same kind of quality of film. Okay. So that's uh, that's uh, 89 out of 252 for me. Okay. Tommy, do you have a... I know, I know you don't necessarily do flick chart, but other rating systems that may better calibrate where this stands with you? I think actually what would make me feel better is to say three stars and a not like. Okay. Three stars I've, and a not like. That's what I did. Yeah. Okay. Like that's exactly okay. what JJ did because I'm recognizing it for its technical prowess mm-hmm. and... I know that the director worked really hard. I really loved Brooklyn, which the director had directed before. Uh, there's so much talent in this, but the film overall, unfortunately, absolutely for me, just doesn't work. So three stars and a no like. Okay. For me, flick chart, I, I gotta do some adjusting no. because I've got this, I've got this weird middle film right now i watched this documentary the last blockbuster which is interesting about the last blockbuster store and it's still going and all of that it's not a you gave it a hundred (laughs) percent no it's right (laughs) while you were drunk (laughs) it's right in the middle because the first half of it's interesting about the history of blockbuster and then we get into this family owned sort of franchise and then it sort of loses ground focus and all of that and so i ranked goldfinch and at first i said no it's better than that documentary then it just like got bumped right back down next to the last blockbuster. So I was like, okay, mm. let me re-rank and say last blockbuster's better, which it's not. And I think that's in a, it's in the wrong place. And then it got bumped down and it kept coming across things. And I thought, well, maybe it does belong in this lower half. And it ended up at 532 out of 721, which is like in the 26th percentile. But JJ, oh. it ended up 
between it ended up just above Tesla that we talked about. It was the first one. Oh, we yes, I know. And then below Halloween. Now Halloween is lower because I just watched it this past the new Halloween. The new, new Halloween? No, no. The original John Carpenter oh. one. Oh. Watched it. It is so boring at the beginning because nothing is happening. There's not it's just Lori goes to school and like there's nothing and it's all about the last like 20 minutes. And I thought this didn't keep me as engaged and interested as I recall from back in the day. So that's so it's in this really weird spot. Yes, it's better than Tesla. Yeah. I I was anger ranking <laughs> Halloween. It's crazy. It probably <laughs> deserves to be higher. I, the last blockbuster needs to be adjusted, but that's that's where it ended up because it again, I agree, three stars not alike. It is Yes, that's 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 I think the best way to describe this film Uh, over at uh, Letterboxd. It has a a rating of two point nine stars based on twenty three thousand nine hundred sixty five reviews. IMDb, it's a little bit higher. It's at six point three, which is well over. They go out of ten. Yeah. Right. So if I cut that in half, though, that's still over a three. So, I mean, I guess between the two. Between the two, it's right around three stars. The IMDb rating is based on 17,000 votes. Um, so, yeah, I guess everything, you've, you average everything out, it's going to fall right into the, the middle ground of three stars there. So, listeners, if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled, or, or if you don't <laughs> think this is your kind of film but still don't want it spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out The Goldfinch on Amazon Prime. <laughs> We all agreed that this is three stars and we don't like it. And we can now feel free to discuss <laughs> our our issues with this and why we did not like it or wh- how we cannot like it and what works or what, you know, Tom, you said beautiful failure. Is it is it purely the well, you, you mentioned the performances. So it's beautiful cinematography, solid performances. You still don't like it. Mostly solid performances. There's, yes. there's a, yeah. Okay, so you guys, you guys both brought up this thing of 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 being a limited series. The 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 major problem I have in the two first yeah. the two first two thirds of the film is that there is no energy transfer between scenes. Okay. So you don't actually like this whole thing of like going back and forth in the nonlinear storytelling. There's these drop offs that really like as they go scene to scene. There's no there's no narrative story being told through the nonlinear story and it's emotionally as you go They're through. They're not commenting on most, each other, and that's no, the point at all. of nonlinear. They right. seem yeah. completely non sequitur, and it's just and it gets into this really weird thing where like I had the most difficult time staying awake in the first third of the movie because it was all just kind of this drab confusion about what was yeah. happening and that and i i think that was on purpose based on the subject matter but it just didn't work and because of that it, it just i i mean i didn't even know where to go i i was it, it, there wasn't any sort of the music didn't help nothing it just was all this sort of bland tragedy okay turned around in different stories and and that's the point that i was trying to make when i was kind of chipping in when you guys were saying this you know could be a miniseries where would you make an episode break I mean, you can't, in the first two thirds of the movie, you can't like, there's no individual story arc right. to any of those little pieces. We're talking about making a limited series just because it's so darn long. Well, and, but that's not the way that you do No, that. but I think not knowing what the rest of the story is, are there, are those moments. Oh, because it's not there. Everything moments, is yeah. so much there. richer. Yeah. Everything has got to have 
like so much. That's an more assumption, though. I just yeah, it's an it, assumption. It, it I was so won bored. the Pulitzer Prize. It's a pretty good assumption. Yeah, I'm shocked. So, and I will tell you, so we none of us have read the book, but I did speak with someone who read the who who read the book, and she had to put it down because it's that same sort of thing. It's just it's just tragedy upon tragedy oh. upon spinning okay. tragedy, and 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 I that was the part that I had the most difficulty with in the first two thirds of the film is that I was just so bored, and that I'd never there was never a glimmer of anything except for drug use and that i, I mean what like yeah. yippee skippy yeah. like and then okay you're this is going to be the best night of your life w- wake up your dad is dead like i just well, that was all this yeah. oh man there's just nothing to grab onto in the first okay, so let's, let's talk all. about the beginning because it starts off in Great. in amsterdam and we've got theo talking about you know he's you know there's guilt, you know, it's something oh, has right. been lost. You know, he, you know, his mother, he had this dream about, he dreams about his mother. She won't look at him and he feels responsible Rubber for scrubby. all of these things. And yep. uh, yes, you know, so what is going on? You know, cause my questions were like, well, what's been lost? Why, what's the guilt that's driving him? You know, he's, he's lining up the pills. He's emptying the little, you know, mini bar bottles of vodka. So clearly, you know, a suicide attempt is coming here. And then we get, you know, that's that's our intro intro to him you know we yeah there's he's scrubbing blood off the cuff of his shirt we don't know whose blood that is what's going on you know i'm really disoriented so i thought okay we're gonna flash back to something that'll give me the context of this and then we jump to him getting you know basically walked by two adults into this apartment the barbers because he we learned that uh he he walked home from this event, you know, his, you know, and was at home by himself. And so there was an explosion at the museum he was at with his mother. And we spent all this time with him at the barbers and the, the, the odd family dynamics of this wealthy family. He and um, the, the barber's son, uh, one of their sons, Theo, and he were friends in elementary school, but they've They've grown apart. They they haven't really talked with each other. So we've got this. Okay, this family is going to adopt him. And I thought, okay, we get some interesting family dynamics. You know, we see the barber's household is all these beautiful antiques and artwork, and they clearly have money. At one point, uh, Mrs. Barber takes Theo back to his place, and we can tell they are not moving in the same circles socially. His is not, you know, single parent raising him. Clearly things are different. I thought, okay, interesting dynamic now of how is he going to fit in with this family, right? That's that's what I'm expecting in the first part of this, this story. And, you know, Wow, you thought way more about that. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I thought, <laughs> I yeah. mean, I was, I was just locked on the tragedy yeah. of like, what is this kid going to yeah. do? I mean, the whole like uh, assimilation right. into the different cultures. I just, I n- didn't even get that far, <laughs> which uh, it was so hard for me to really uh, sort of conceptualize it because I was so f- stuck on uh, on Theo's uh, dealing with what Theo, trying to f- attach myself to something that this character was living with. Well, we- and I couldn't because it kept bouncing us back and forth between unrelated scenes. The one thing that I can think that they, in the interrogation scene, which comes later, again, when he says she's, he's probably concussed, he has trouble remembering things, maybe the writer, like, hooked onto that with claws and, like, here's a way to make things interesting. I'm not exactly sure. I get the idea of starting with the um, the bookend of the scrubbing blood out of the shirt. I'm older now, and here's all this list of stuff, because um, if you do a really big punch, in the first 
five minutes. It gives you time. The, the film logic says it gives you time to like explore, but then no, like Steve was saying, I was kind of doing what Steve was doing, maybe in different ways, but desperately trying to find a hook. What are we doing? So what is this story? So what? why do I care? So where are we going? And instead, it was just sort of like, it became boyhood. Yeah. I mean, you just like, cut up, you cut I up mean, your scene thing right. and threw it up in the air. Right. And then put right. it together because there weren't comments. They weren't jarring. At times, like the movie The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins, uh, which he just won for uh, the Oscars, is very nonlinear, very about that. But it's very whenever you learn, oh, we're actually back in that scene, it is shattering. This time it's like, Oh, we're still at that dinner. Right. Like, yes. who cares? Right. Right. You just, it's like you lost the first draft of the film and they were like, oh, the showing is in like five minutes. So you just shoved all of the, <laughs> all of the edit points up there. There's like, there doesn't seem to be any real moments. And then it just ends up being just a bunch of young Theo who unfortunately I did not find very strong. No. Um, no, he's no, not a very strong. And then Nicole Kidman just sort of like staring at him weirdly over and yeah. over scene yes. after scene after yes. scene. I'm like, if young Theo's not giving me anything and Nicole Kidman's not giving anything, I'm so sorry to, to over talk. I think I'm just got so excited about what you said, Steve is just, where is my foundation? What am I looking for? What am I holding on to? And that yep. makes sense, JJ, that you find it so boring of like, I have no footing. No, you you don't. You have, right. I mean, you get uh, when Theo goes to school talking with his friend Tom that we find out a little bit about, yeah, so what happened was there was something with cigarettes and he got called to the principal's office. Oh, and that they table. Yeah. Yes. So we, we get a little bit of, you know, something that, which for me, the cigarettes are they like just this MacGuffin thing, you know, because because we There's have so much smoking in this movie. There is a they smoke, of smoke constantly. It's like they made this movie in the 20s. Like what? Nobody does that anymore. What? I mean, in Europe, in Europe, though, they but, do. But well, the, OK, but they're outside the antique shop and they're smoking. Like, why do you choose to do that? There's there's obviously a reason for it. There's no, I mean, because people don't do right. it. So like we're everyone having a smoke break. Everyone in the secret history smokes all the time. Yes. It might be a Donna Tart thing. Same yes. author. And it, yeah, same yeah, author. it is. And yeah. it's the, you know, when you look at the dynamics of the, the Barber family, because we get the scene where Theo first gets there and then the, the, the dad, Mr. Barber comes in. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, well, you know, my father would say this might be a time for a good little nip. And, the, and, she, <laughs> oh, so and it's just like, you're trying to get the kid drunk or whatever. But then it's like, I thought, I'm what like, okay, that? that's, I'm assuming this is one of these things for the readers of the book. Is there more about the family, the whole dysfunctional family of dads, you know, drinking? We learn later on he's bipolar, all of this stuff, but just the tension. We learn later on. You know, there's, there's yes, tension in the family yeah. of like, yeah. we've got the whole older brother thing that comes down for breakfast the one time and is just like. The one time. Yes. <laughs> but, I guess he does come right, back. But, but yeah. again, we get all these pieces and I feel like. There's a whole story that is in the early part of this book about this family of Theo sort of as an observer of this dysfunctional, wealthy family. And there's, I'm assuming, enough story and conflict in there to push that along enough till we get to the point where Theo's going to take his next steps and he's going to follow up on the ring that he's got. And that's where we meet Hobie and Pippa, who is the girl that was at the museum with him. We get more of that story. That's the whole introduction into the antiques, 
and all of, of that piece. And we get a little bit more about the event. And for me, this this I started to get really interested in because as, the, as Theo, we have that scene uh, with Hobie teaching him about the difference between an antique and a reproduction. And I'm like, this is really interesting, Feel, feeling it. You can see the difference. And it's like, is this something about being able to tell like authentic people from fake people? Are the barbers fake people or are they authentic people? Is there something about this? What are the lessons that Theo's going to learn here? But I don't get any of it, right? It, there's no payoff. There's no payoff. Yeah. And, and that, right. It, that would be wonderful. If that, was, if that was the message of the film, that would be wonderful. But really, all of these sort of di- differing points, get, they give you the feeling like that the story was put together with like refrigerator poetry pieces. Where you're like, okay, the antiques dealer and the the fraudster <laughs> and the, the 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 rich family that loves sailing yes, all get together right. with the bipolar dad who wants to get his child drunk. I mean, it's it it really is super. Yeah, it's really <laughs> confusing. And I'm sure the book is not the same way as that. But honestly, you look at these and they are all very particular. Yeah characters with affectations that are just given short shrift consistently throughout the first two films, yes. the thirds of this film. Well, this is when he followed the ring to the ringmaker yeah. Yeah. is when yep. it really became, I was like, oh no. I was like, oh yay, oh no. Because I remember what it was like. This became, I believe it was called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Oh yeah, okay. In- the Nine? Incredibly loud and extremely close. something. Oh, is that uh, yeah. it? Incredibly loud no. and extremely close. Almost too much loud, and boy, oh boy, back up. Yeah. Okay. We'll never know. It's Either one of way. my favorite books. It's what Jonathan the, Safran Foer. Yeah, the book is. It's about a, a young extremely boy. Extremely loud and extra incredibly close. Am I about, oh, so that's what I said. <laughs> okay. Yes, you were right. Okay, so um, uh, because of a huge tragedy, mm-hmm. a young but that's person, a real tragedy. Holds on. Hold, no, I, of course. No, hold on. <laughs> well, if you believe it was an inside job, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just had to go there because you yelled. It's a real tragedy. What I'm saying is that a young person goes out in the world and connects a seemingly very disparate amount of humanity mm-hmm. together because of one thing coming from a loss. And right. why I said, oh, yay, was because I desperately love that, mo- that book. And I oh, no. Because the movie was this movie. It's right. the same problem. It's they robbed it of all of its deep humanity. They took away any of the patience, time with the characters mm-hmm. that he just sort of, I mean, in the book of Incredibly Loud, Extremely Close, we'll never know. It doesn't matter. Is, um, you know, he just sort of, he talks about what heavy boots means. That heavy Love boots it. is like an emotional thing. And in the book, someone even says, looks like you're wearing heavy boots, kid. Like, who is that for? Right. Readers right. of the book will hate that. Uh, viewers of the movie who haven't read the book don't understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yes. And that's what this movie ended up becoming. Yes. What I assume it's from the book. I assume if I read the book, I would see this movie and be like, oh, gross. You just put all the characters in it. Right. But why are we supposed to care about them? Well, and this is less good than that 
for the reason that this is a fictionalized tragedy, right? So the the keystone of Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close is 9-11. And that's something that everyone who was alive at that time can relate to because it's such a keystone event in all of our histories. But this becomes just another piece of that refrigerator poetry stuff in that you have this fictionalized tragedy that we have to assimilate the emotions that are associated with it, which the film doesn't do anything to Mm -hmm. help us with, unfortunately. Oh, that's that's true. I mean, you you cast Jeffrey Wright as Hobie, and I'm like, okay. Jeffrey Wright. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, oh, okay. That was just, this was just the the prelude to where our story's really going to get. It's going to be the relationship of this this man who's sort of taken him in, and it's this coming of age thing and what he learns and all this. I thought, okay, this is going to be great. This is where we're going to spend all of our time. And he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Could the rest (laughs) of the movie just be about like learning about restoration and stuff? I would actually (laughs) find that fascinating. Exactly. That's great. But but we, we don't. And then we, you know, There's (laughs) There's <laughs> then we get, you know, all kinds of things of, oh, maybe the barbers are going to adopt him. And he comes back and, you know, his barber's like, oh, I've got a surprise for you. And it's like, oh, look, it's your dad and his <laughs> the two most ridiculous <laughs> parents. Both of those actors. Well, one of those actors is very good, but both of them were. I like them both. <laughs> Sarah Paulson was amazing in this role. I like Sarah Paulson. That's what I said. In this I said, role, I like like, this one was of a huge departure. For, I know. No, but, but yeah, but, that, that, but both yeah. of them coming in and being like, hey, everybody, I made you a cake made of <laughs> cigarette butts. <laughs> yes. They were so oh, yes. over the top yes. of like the opposite of the barbers. It was a little gross of like, I'm so sorry. I used one of your paintings as toilet paper. <laughs> and you're like, look, no one's that trashy, Las Vegas. Well, it, it was a bit it, much. It is. And so, yeah. So his father, you know, played by Luke Wilson and his girlfriend, Zandra, by played by Sarah Paulson. They go back to take him back to Vegas and he's there in Vegas for a while. And this is this is where we get our first shift. So he's he's sort of there at, at his new home or whatever. And he goes out back to the pool and he's going to jump in the pool and then like the lights go out the power you know whether it's you know lights out they're in a they're in a neighborhood where there's nobody else living there the recession all of that stuff so the power goes off no lights in the pool and then a flash to the museum he's covered in ash he sits up in the ash and then that transitions to older theo sitting up in the bathtub and i thought ansel elgort, ansel elgort. so then i thought okay why is this a transition point? Is this just where the book shifted? Because, uh, Tommy, as you said, there's there's nothing thematic. Where is Theo, young Theo, in his place in Las Vegas to why does it make sense to now switch to older Theo? You know, now we, we jump forward in time. He's in New York. We get his whole speech about, I you know, his his tailored clothes and all of this stuff and his success working, you know, in the, the industry. But there's no thematic or logical connection of if why we would jump from this point to the other, other than we're just going to skip forward in time for some reason. And that, that really frustrated me because I thought, I don't know where I am or why I'm here other than Theo's now older and we're going to learn about his life in the future without knowing anything about how he got there. That's what I mean about energy transfer. There's no energy transfer from one scene to the next. And that really hurts the film. Energy. Yes. And it's just, we follow, we plot along with older Theo. We learn that, okay, one of the buyers of furniture is going to accuse him of fraud or whatever. He sold him a piece that wasn't an actual piece. And again, where is that story going to go? Did he do it? Did he not do it? What's going on? You know, we see him run off to his little storage unit where he's going to go like check on his little package and and do some drugs. Do some drugs. And then we go 
So we go back to young Theo. <laughs> so and I like to movie. do drugs and hug my mm. unwrapped packages. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then we jump back. Typical druggy behavior. Then we jump back in time. Back to Vegas where he's at school yep. and Boris is there. Finn Wolfhard is, is young Boris. And so then we get the whole thing with, with Boris and dad's gambling stuff and dad's trying to scam him out of money and all of these things. And then in between there somewhere, we get this memory of him stealing the painting. And this is the thing that we paused the film and my wife and I had a conversation because we saw a scene earlier where he's in the museum and his mom says, oh, I'm going to go. It's, it's during the police interrogation when his mom says, oh, I'm going to go over here. And the police ask, well, why did you why didn't you go with her? And it's like, well, he's looking at this girl. And so he's looking at this girl and the girl sort of looks at him and they're all looking at the painting. And my wife says, are they going to steal this painting? Is this like a kid heist movie? And I thought, thought, no, it's not. It could have been. It could have been interesting. And then I said, well, why would kids set off a bomb? She's like, well, the old guy's in on it. I thought, okay. (laughs) She really thought that they were. Yes, because she's like, I don't know where this movie's going. Because she's looking for a hook hook on everything. Not a hook. She's looking for a I shouldn't keep saying hook. She's looking for a handhold. Handhold. Yes. Where where am I? Just so I know where. So at least even if you're going to give me twists, I at least think. That maybe it's this. That's right. what this film is missing. It, it, right? It's not. It's we, we learned that after the explosion and she, he's next to this man who's injured, concussed, and is wealthy, you know, wealthy is rambling incoherently. And Theo takes that as, I got to take this That's painting. That's a rough, beautiful scene. Only because I'm an enormous, gross fan, not fan of well-written head injury people. I'm sorry, that's a horrible way to say all that. But like to describe the mental scramble of that with saying things like they turned all the light bulbs off is just, there's something so beautifully macabre and and seemingly honest about that stuff when it's written right. For me, this was written very well. Oh, yeah. So, Tom, you alluded to it at the beginning of this, uh, of, of our talk here. This was a perfect scene in this film. Yeah. I mean, it, everything from the way it was shot, it, it was it was gorgeously filmed. And it, of course, it's tragic, but it's and it's silent and it's just it's the confusion and all this stuff. Like, Steve, you immediately called said he stole the painting. <laughs> I never once felt like he had stolen okay. the painting throughout the okay. film. Like, but of course, of course, he, he stole, stole the, the painting. painting. You're yes. right. But at no, no point, a, a Welty told him right. to take it. And this is this young child who doesn't know anything. And, you know, this is going to point to the ultimate message of right. the film, which I actually really okay. like, even though I dislike this film, <laughs> is that the message that this piece here connects us to the end of the film where, again, this is all done so beautifully and so wonderfully. And it's very innocent. And it's very... Uh, it, it, that that macabre piece that you're talking about, Tom, is is so wonderful, and it's just it's really it's it's really special. And this shows off Deacon's. I oh mean, yes, yeah. I didn't. I, I I stayed around to the end just to see who the DP was because of shots like this, and I was like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. okay, Deacon's, yes. yeah. Now I get it. So that makes sense. But I I love this scene. I thought it was perfectly written. I thought it was perfectly shot. I thought it was it, it was the emotional point that I wanted through all the other parts yes. of the movie. Yes. But we didn't get yes. that. Well, it, it goes downhill so. from here. And this is where things sort of go off, off the rails <laughs> because then... Because they put it so late. Yes. No. It, yes. And we didn't even know why he cared about the goldfinch because they literally the last second of the movie, his mom says, you know what? That painting's pretty good. Hope I don't die in an explosion. 
I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, yeah, it's just, <laughs> yes, yeah, they just, this, it, it, the nonlinear it, stuff, some of it really works against Yes, because we have that beautiful moment, then we get dad's trying to steal money from him, that whole thing of like trying to access the private account that he can't, and then he, he runs off with Boris, they drop acid, they come back home, dad's dead. Oh, that acid scene was so weird. Is it supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be pathos is it supposed to, and then it just runs the gambit of no one knows right because then he decides theo's like i can't stay here because my dad's dead and they're gonna hand me over to child protective services or whatever i'm going back to new york boris for some mysterious reason wants him to wait and can't go with him and says oh, i'll just meet you there and we don't know why and then we shift back to older theo engaged to Kitsy now, and their whole relationship is a, a sham. <laughs> because they that's just and who's Kitsy? The, I mean, the, honestly, up to this point, I mean, I know who yeah, she is, but right. my point is like, no, that's oh, the and point. now there's this Kitsy person. The, yeah, she's she's the other blonde girl, JJ. Remember, and pretty people definitely they don't need like depth of character because they're both Evidently. beautiful, right? Yes. And right, so, yeah, yeah, we get Theo just wandering around New York. Oh, his girlfriend loves somebody else and Tom Cable and whatever. And he's just sort of... She loves literally the guy who crapped on him. And, and it's his fault that his mom is dead. Like, this is where the story is so convenient. It's just so well, hard to swallow. but at least he ran into Boris for right. a good well, reason. Well, yes, because he went to go looking for drugs in some weird Russian bar and just happens to, you know, the person he's supposed to meet isn't there. And it just so happens that Boris is there and that Boris has the confession of, I took the painting. Wait, you never opened the package all this time? And then I thought, why did Boris take it? And, you know, and Theo's like, nobody knew about it. Boris is like, you're a blackout drunk. You showed it to me on Thanksgiving. And I thought, okay, still, you're like a 14-year-old kid. Your friend shows you, I took this painting from the museum and I keep it hidden here. So then you're going to... I hope I'm a Russian crime boss. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But I can use it as collateral for drug deals. And And I didn't end up doing it, but Steve, I was going to ask you to pull that one thing of like, why did you come into this bar looking for me? I didn't. It was an accident? Yes. Okay, accident. That could be the trailer. (laughs) That could be like the log line of this film after a while. And the the whole conceit about uh, uh, a rival antiques dealer finding a news story about a, a supposedly destroyed painting being used for collateral in a drug deal in Miami, making it so that he can accuse Theo and Hobie of actually owning. I mean, there's no way to connect those dots. That's, that's what, I mean, it's not, it, first of all, it's not real. I mean, it was real, but like, how does the painting connect to Theo? Why would this person think right. that? Well, because he knows that Theo was the There's kid no... that survived the museum explosion. Because he was in the news. He <sighs> was in the news as the kid that survived that got taken in by the family. Which that one weird article. Yeah, but he, that one... <laughs> but he <laughs> makes this yes, line. Oh, yeah. He says, "So this is evidence of the fact that it's that it's that it's that it survived." But then he takes the leap of. So it must not be in Miami. It must be with you guys. What? We? No, doesn't. Okay. And so, yeah, then we get on this, like, that whole confession from from Boris now kicks off a whole thing of, like, we're now in a Mission Impossible movie. We're going to go to Amsterdam and we're going to go get the painting back. I know these guys and we're going to go to Amsterdam and we're going to, you're going to pose as this wealthy American and we're going to, we're going to go get the painting back. And then that. And now the film is at light speed. Yes, and then things go wrong. (laughs) 
and people <laughs> are a good people point. are shot, and Theo tries to kill himself because he's the deal went bad, and so now the painting's gone. They're never they 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 won't have a chance of getting it back. He assumes so. He's going to try to kill himself. All of that. Boris comes in, saves him, walks him around, and then. It's like, oh, look. Walks him back and forth. He actually walks him one direction and then turns him around in the street and starts walking in the other direction. There's no... But don't you get a J.J. Goldfit? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) And so then we get... And so then... uh, I'm trying to figure out how much time has passed. the most cinematic raid ever happens off camera. (laughs) Right. (laughs) uh, Boris relates the story of like, here's these things that I set into motion, I guess, over the past five hours or something because i don't know how much time has passed or, or day maybe i i don't know how long between the bad yeah. deal and then boris going or theo going back to his apartment to kill himself and boris just sort of says oh look it's all okay right well i, I guess i should say there there's more to that and, and tommy actually asked us to to pull uh a clip from this movie which i is it's an interesting moment because it, it does sort of lay things out uh, as far as Boris's, I guess, understanding or rationalization, or I don't know, Tommy, how would you how would you set up this clip, or how would you describe this this moment that you selected? Boris is explaining to Theo um, how all of this, and the screenwriter is using this to say how all of this was possibly worth our time, and it doesn't resonate for me. It feels like a beautiful, beautiful lie. So we have done bad things. But maybe sometimes good can come from bad. If, if, If you hadn't, if I hadn't, maybe none of these paintings would be found. Maybe he's like, like Huge fucking weather system rolling over and we just get blown and maybe he's fate or... I give name. Just... Life. That's what I hoped, that's what the, the, the mission that I hoped this movie would have done and it didn't. That this idea of all of these crazy, disparate people coming together and stuff saved a couple paintings or something off screen. Magnolia is a film that the world, all of these different people come together and have different situations. The book of Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, everyone like learns and builds and their lives explode because of this one thing. This is not. That I doesn't feel at all like that, especially not with a bunch of off-screen cops finding a bunch of off-screen, not named paintings. They just say Rembrandt and saying, see, it was all worth it. Good comes from bad. F off. This was two and a half hours and almost none of this needed to happen, Justin. So that that's where so it did resonate with me. And okay. that's the point. Like, but I don't think you're wrong. I don't disagree with you. It's just the point of the, the the thing when I was talking about who I recommend this movie to, I was talking about the fact that if you really want to take heart in that the negative things that set things in motion can lead to positive outcomes, that is the 
what they're telling us in this audio clip and in this point is that is the purpose of this story. And while I don't like the story and I don't like the way it was executed here, I like that purpose. I like that, I that story being told. Right. And that's my point is yes. that the sentiment is told and you think about, so I want to connect it back to the 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 explosion scene that, that we have here and that that sort of innocent point where he actually takes the painting and he walks away from it. This is, maybe it's his shame, maybe it's his it's his trauma. It's all of these things. But what they're trying to sum up in this little tiny piece of the last third of the movie is that it had purpose in life and that you can take solace in the fact that all this negativity was 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 not for nothing. And that's uh, and, and that's a, a story that I think is worth telling. I don't like the way they did it, but it and I don't want to say it redeemed the film for me, but I actually didn't mind the pace of the last third of the movie. If they would have made most of the first two thirds of the movie that pace and maybe cut the film, if I, they went the other direction than we're talking about, not enlarged it, but actually cut and shorten it up and made it paced in like a different way. Like if we followed told, the painting. Is right, that what just you mean? Or, or have some sort of vehicle with which we can tell that story. I think that story is worth telling. So it, it again, it, it it is a story that resonates with me, but I agree with you. I, it wasn't earned. I, I agree with that. No, 100%. and I think the, the problem is that it's not only an off-screen thing, it's we've seen this personal tragedy affect many people's lives, and the good that comes out of it is these lost paintings were found. So what does that mean to any of these people? What does that mean to the world that these lost paintings is this, does this save the world from, from, from ending? Does this, you know, is this, how does this transform the world for better because these lost paintings are found? And that's the thing that I think where it really falls short of bad things can happen, but it's gotta be an overwhelmingly redeeming good that comes out of those things. You know, did Theo overcome his drug, drug addiction and, and find meaning in his life or something because of this? I mean, that's, I struggled to, you know, Tommy, as you alluded to, we don't understand what the significance of this painting is for Theo until the very, very end, where we get that scene at the very end where he's standing there with his mother and she says, this is this is my favorite. So yes, okay, that is perhaps him clinging to the memory of his mother. I don't know. Is that why it's so unsettling and upsetting to him when he loses the painting? He feels he's losing that connection to his mother. None of that is, is conveyed either visually or told to us through dialogue or anything, because I went through this entire movie wondering, why is this painting so important to him? I thought it maybe had something to do with a conversation of why he had to take that painting, that this painting needed to be saved. With that guy? Yes, that it needed to right. be taken. Wealthy, Wealthy yeah. told him to take it because there's something important in that painting. But no, there's nothing there because he never shares it with Hobie or anything. And so he holds on to it. So I assume it's personal. And we don't get that at all until the very end. And for me, that's not enough either of this reminded you of your mother, I guess. So you kept it and you kept it wrapped and hidden away and you would occasionally go and, you know, I guess, confirm that it was it was there but again then you lose it and the world's better because you your actions caused lost you know a handful of lost paintings to be found and i i can't you know i can't it's using it as a rosebud sure uh from citizen kane but it in not in a good not in a fulfilling way because there's way too much other it's like rosebud it's like citizen kane but also an art heist also like guns and all of these things and whole other families and stuff. That's why Rosebud worked to say Rosebud and the whole film kind of be like, what is Rosebud? Oh, it all went back to his childhood in Citizen Kane. This said, 
yes, let's do that, but also cram eight other movies into this situation. So the meaning of Rosebud, who cares? Right. I mean, after a while anymore, it just sort of gets lost. So we've got Pippa who was involved there, who, you know, used to, you know, was a musician, can no longer play. Can't even go and watch like you know the, the Glenn Gould do, you know documentary, and that that's ups- upsetting and unsettling to her. So she's lost her dreams. Hobie, because of what Theo did with the whole like scam con with the whatever selling the one drawer is is something you know now it's possibly ruined you know Hobie's credentials in the community of a restorer that passes off you know things as things that they're not. So we've got Pippa's future destroyed, Hobie's livelihood at stake. Um, you know, like again, as JJ said, you know, tragedy piled upon tragedy, and it's all worth it because we found some paintings. And I, I don't understand. We found the yes, Rembrandt, and that's yeah. and I guess if it maybe yeah. that's rewarding for Theo because again, his mom went off to look at a Rembrandt, and that those things that were meaningful to his mother are maybe shared with the world. But I can't make that direct connection because I don't know what the paintings are. They are of no personal significance to him as and his mother. So why? Why, why and, do and that? And I don't want to try to fix no. the movie, but what what if they characterized it as the goldfinch was cursed and it actually does stay alive yes. to like make these things happen, but it causes yes. all this tragedy. Oh. Like there's Ooh. different ways to tell right. the story that might be more interesting because well, this why wasn't. It continues to be because that's like a the conjuring kind right. of situation. Yeah. yeah. Something that yeah. gets passed down. Yeah. yeah. I don't and even, you know, there was the moment uh in the flashback where Theo's there and he's he's hearing Welty talk about the painting to the girl and it's about like why it's 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 like chained to the the cage or whatever. I thought, oh, about confinement. There's something that it, it's like a line of dialogue that is then dropped, forgotten. That whole thread of what is what was the painter saying with his painting? Is that why his mother identifies with any of that? It, it may be all spelled out in the book that, you know, because I, I look at his mother who loves art and then his father, and I'm like, how did these people even live together? What was the nature of their relationship? He's so 100% aggro the worst. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> And I know more about the mother's, the back of her head yes. than anything. And that she's nice because she's not Luke Wilson. Right, yes. And that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those, I mean, those are all the like, I guess, as Tommy said, a beautiful failure. There's, there's those beautiful moments that have the potential, but then the potential falls away. And I'm left at the end. Even at the end of, okay, I get this question answered. Oh, this is why it was important to him as his mother's favorite painting. But that's it. I mean, there's there's nothing there. What, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this movie. I don't know what, you know, if it is that, you know, good outcomes come from bad things. I still don't feel that's justified because it was imbalanced in, in one way. So I, that's where I leave this film in terms of, yeah, book lovers, you can have it, I guess. That's, you know, if you like the book, give it a shot. <laughs> you can have it. Take it and see. And, see. and I, I'd be, cu- I'd be curious. It. And yeah. I, I, Dang it, book lovers. I, I'm, I'm driven to go read the book because I feel like maybe there is the potential. JJ, you say you've got somebody that read it that, that it's it's not there. and they Put it yeah, down. They put it down. She put and it so, down because it was yeah. too negative. Yeah, I so, don't know. Yeah, and I don't, I, I, I get it because of what I saw at the beginning of this movie. I loved the idea, and I wish I could have felt what, obviously, the movie wanted me to feel in the very last shot, which is after all this cross-cutting and this craziness and stuff, it's the inciting incident, which really doesn't happen until, like, 20 minutes. 
what but it's both it's the uh Magoo and the red-haired girl Pippa and then Theo and his mother all just looking at the painting because after that everything changes and i was like oh i so wish this was earned right what but, a haunting why, why? beautiful image to then go to black mm. and just be like oh, yeah oh but it just why not why not do that the bookend why not make yeah. that the bookend 100% like, it's such a great yeah. shot like it's it's, it's so beautiful, beautiful. It's so beautiful and poignant, but it's lost because of all the other mess. There's so much and other stuff going on, yeah. That I mean, like, if it was just about that or something, if it was this, I mean, Zelig or Forrest Gumpish kind of like this one person going through the crazy world or an extremely right. loud and incredibly close, this one big inc- inciting incident changing all of these different people's lives that would never, it wasn't any of those. It was a bunch of rich jerks. And a bunch of okay other people and a bunch of trashy a-holes. <laughs> and then the, and then we went to Amsterdam with guns. Yes. It's too much. It's too much and reflexively too little. Yeah. Well, and yeah. so to end on that thing mm-hmm. of like, I wish that this meant something to me, but instead, I don't care. <laughs> and I like so many of the actors of this movie. Well, maybe it would have done better that opening box office if it had been titled and then we went to Amsterdam with guns because people may have shown up for that type of <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> if you just highlighted yeah. the dot, heist, dot, you know, the, the, we the, the five minutes of yeah. the heist and put that in the trailer yeah. and called it that, then people may have shown up for this movie. Yeah. Uh, JJ, Love closing it. thoughts? Well, I just, I, I, I echo what you guys are saying. And, and, and for me, I mean, it, it, after everything we talk about, it seems like it's high on my flick chart, but that's the point that I guess I want to make is that I, the message of the movie is a message that I can get down with yep. and it's shot beautifully. So it's the kind of thing I, I still, I want to stick by the thing that we as a group all said, it's a three-star movie, but I didn't like it. And, and beyond that, I'm not going to recommend it to anyone unless Correct. they're curious about how the book was adapted for the screen. But otherwise it's it it, it it's one of those that you're going to get more frustrated with than than you're going to So watch. JJ's going to hang around at bookstores agree next to the goldfish being like, "Yeah, you should watch that movie." Anybody else? No, but you? You're picking up that book? You should go watch the movie after. See what it's like. You're the only audience And I'm going to go back to my every weekend goldfish <laughs> finished party and be like, "Hey everybody. I found out what JJ and Steve had to say." And they'd be like, "JJ Steve, it's a very specific fetish party." Yes. Go ahead. Yes, it is. It, it's yes. This is yeah. It it is the three star and not a like and it, it's one that I won't watch again. And JJ, I think emotionally it reminded me of uh Papillon that we just, you know, talked about on the show of a oh, movie that should yeah. have had this emotional build to something and then you're just left there like well yeah that happened and i i've just felt short you know of that it reminded me of cloud atlas in that way to where there's all these stories and you never get a handhold like tommy's thing here this you never get a handhold for where you're going with the film so yeah a, 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 a great adventurous try but unfortunately a failure 
that's 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 where we are with the goldfinch. And next, JJ and I are going to be talking about the third bird move, bird titled movie in our little mini series here. When we talk about the peanut butter falcon that is available on Hulu and Amazon. So, Tommy, we had last last right. time we talked about the hummingbird project. We did the goldfinch, and we're moving on to the peanut butter falcon. And it's is that shy on the book? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, yes. I've heard really good things about well, that. That might actually be a nice turnaround. We will. Hopefully, I have heard about. I've heard I, I'm hoping too. that I'm we we end it, this so. little bird trilogy on a upswing, you know, yeah. updraft, I guess you call it. And luckily, yeah. Shia LaBeouf isn't problematic at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be anything to no, tap dance around. No, not not at all with him. So, but it's uh, Tommy. Thank you for coming and joining us to talk about the goldfinch. You brought some great insights. To this I was glad to have you as part of this conversation and, and joining JJ and I and talking about the goldfinch. Oh, that's wonderful! It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you guys. I love this show, and it was fun to be a part of this. You guys give me uh, a reason to be like oh, when I was like. I should watch that film and then I don't I'll be like like a reason of like oh you know what I have a reason to watch that film and it just makes me even when I'm not a huge fan of a thing like the goldfinch I'm glad I watched it and I'm more glad to be able to talk about it with intelligent people um, that is that is the foundation of trailer Rewind. yeah I love uh, you it. know you may have missed this movie so let's let's check it out and talk I about love it. it I love it and I look forward to coming back. Oh, yes. We will see Tommy several more times in this season of Trailer Rewind. He is, there's, uh, what, two or three more times I think he's going to be on the show. So we look forward to that. JJ, we will be talking, you know, coming up about Peanut Butter Falcon. So looking forward to that. Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh, for our listeners, thank you for listening to the show. For Trailer Rewind, this is Steve, JJ, and Tommy. Hondo. At Trailer Rewind, I scour what is streaming to find the films we discuss on the show. Letterboxd makes it easy to find out which services have the films we are reviewing. Letterboxd also makes it easy to locate films we have watched in the past and see our reviews and ratings. The Next Real team has built lists of films we have discussed for the main show, the film board, and Trailer Rewind. Right now, we have a special offer for our listeners. You can quickly and easily upgrade your free Letterboxd account to pro or patron status with a 20% discount at thenextreel.com slash letterboxd. If you've already upgraded your account, this discount also works for renewals. After you've used Letterboxd to find a film and watch it, we'd like you to be part of the conversation in our online Discord community. To get started, just go to thenextreel.com slash discord. And to keep the conversations going and get some great benefits while you're at it, head over to thenextreel.com slash membership and become a supporter of the Next Real family of podcasts. For less than the cost of a movie rental, you can become a monthly supporter and join us for show live streams as we record, early access to shows in your very own personal podcast feed, and access to member-only channels in Discord. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. 
Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. 